You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome to Clap Back Culture, y'all. Y'all listen, I know you I know you guys seen the promos on social media. But he's here, live and in color, straight from the CD or see me. Big O, coming back to clap back culture, filling oh, in, yeah. hopefully permanently. Is this a permanent look, look Amari? I, I mean, I'm saying you see, you see me in the intro now. I mean, I was just saying, though, that prior to the show, I was like, hmm. I see that base of Gordon didn't add me to the official uh, show graphics and that uh, it's just Julia Jesse there, but it's cool. I'm not tripping. But yeah, I mean, you know, this is, I've always admired this show because, uh, you know, I, I like to commentate on what's happening, you know, in the news and around the world. And of course, the morning update show, that wasn't the format for that. You know, it's just important that we deliver the facts to, to our community and, you know, without opinion, for the most part, Triana always brought the opinion, but now I'm over here with you. I get to really just say how I feel about things. Absolutely. That's the beauty of clapback culture. We all got opinions. We all got something to say. So as you guys know how it goes right here on clapback culture, we're going to give you these headlines and we're going to keep it real. Nothing but true. So Amari, make sure you know, take that political hat off a little bit, you know, dust that, uh, dust your shoulders off a little bit and, uh, you know, relax, just be yourself. This is, um, you know, this is the barber barbershop talk. This is, you know, what we talk about in the beauty salon. This is what we talk about in the group chat. Uh, so yeah, you know, you family, let's get it. Let's get it. I'm excited. Yeah, if you know, the group chats really have all those things, barbershop, beauty salon, the group chats where it go down. So if hey, this listen. is how we get down in the group chat, I'm ready for it. All right. Well, first things first in the group chat, y'all, is the CDC is no longer recommending social distancing and quarantine for COVID. I know y'all tired of talking about COVID just like me, but listen, we got to stay up to date. We got to stay up to date and we got to know what's the newest of the new. It seems if you are like me, uh, you know, these new guidelines just doesn't, doesn't mean anything because we're kind of doing our own thing anyway. Um, but the CDC is recommending this. OK, they're saying that, you know, continue to get your vaccinations. But if you get covid, um, you only need to isolate for five days and then for the remaining 10 days. Just wear your mask when you're around other people. Okay, so stay at home, isolate for five days, and then for the remaining 10 days, just wear your mask when you're around others. Other than that, they're saying social distancing isn't a big deal. Um, you know, they're saying that, you know, you, that's six feet away from other people, you know, not really sure if that really is going to reduce your risk of exposure. So, you know, they're just really concerned about reducing severe disease from COVID. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I've already been doing this. So thank you, DC. <laughs> I would say this, though. I don't know if the CDC said why. I think the why is missing. Because if it's just because, then they could have just did just because a long time ago. Or is it like, did they feel that that many people in America have gotten COVID? It's like, I don't know, this herd thing. Are they feeling that any strains that somebody 
gets now they're not going to die from? Is it because they be at the, you know, in the back room shooting dice with, you know, CD, CDC craps, you know what I'm saying? 7-Eleven and whatever it lands on. Okay, six feet, three feet. I mean, you know, what's the methodology? Yeah, you know, I mean, we could get in the weeds of that, right? And I think what they're saying is they're just keeping it light and they're saying, listen, our goal is is that, you know, instead of having all of these guidelines, we're just asking the nation to focus on reducing this severe, you know, on reducing severe disease that will come from COVID-19. So there's so much stuff on the CDC website, you guys. If you want to get in the weeds of this, go ahead. I agree with Amari that the methodology is important. Um, however, if you're a conspiracy theorist like me, you're not going to get too many answers there. So go ahead and go down that rabbit hole, <laughs> if you will. For me, I'm good. I'm just I'm going to keep it moving off this. Thanks, CDC. Thanks for the formal update. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, formal charges have been announced finally, if I have to say so. Um, against that Instagram model or the OnlyFans model. Her name is Courtney Claney, um, and she killed her boyfriend. She stabbed him to death in Miami, Florida, in that really luxury um, high-rise. Do you guys remember that? That was back in April. Well, prosecutors in South Florida announced second-degree murder charges and picked her up in Hawaii while she was in treatment. We have a video. Let's go ahead and watch that video. In the meantime, new details tonight and the deadly Edgewater stabbing. Instagram model Courtney Clenny has been charged with murder. This is video of her and the victim, Christian Abumseli, getting into a heated argument inside of an elevator. This happened months before the deadly stabbing. Miami State's attorney Catherine Fernandez-Rundle announcing the criminal charges today against Clenny. CBS 4's Ashley Dyer joins us live from Miami. And Ashley Clenny about to appear before the judge, correct? Jim, she'll appear in front of a Honolulu judge at 7.30. That's just about an hour and a half from right now. And we will have cameras in the courtroom when that happens. Now, Clenny told police when she stabbed her boyfriend, she was acting in self-defense. But the state attorney's office says after months of investigating, their evidence says otherwise. Key evidence, this video showing a shocking glimpse inside Courtney Clenny and Christian Obumselli's tumultuous relationship. We're learning domestic violence was a constant in the couple's relationship. The defendant had a history of being the aggressor throughout the relationship. According to this arrest warrant, one Parisio security documented so many incidents of arguing, including complaints from tenants two floors above, that the building's management was moving towards legal action to evict the couple. Extremely tempestuous and combative relationship. The arrest warrant says April 3rd started off peacefully with the couple playing with their dog. Christian left the apartment at 1.15 p.m and returned about three hours later. At 4.33, Clenny calls Christian just as he's walking into the apartment. About 10 minutes later, Clenny calls her mom. That call lasts for just about six minutes until she calls her again at 4.49. The state attorney's office believes Clenny's mother may have been on the phone when the stabbing happened. At 4.57, Clenny called 911. On that 911 call, all right, y'all. Well, that's the headline. Um, like I said, this this incident happened back in April. I kind of feel like the state's attorney's office is kind of foul for releasing this video um, because this was not the day of the incident. And so 
um, her attorneys are really in their feelings about this. They released a statement and basically they are pissed. Um, her attorney said this, he says, it's a shame that the state's attorney's office is seeking to win this case um, in, a, in the court of public opinion um, by showing this irrelevant and likely inadmissible video of Courtney in an elevator getting physical would obscene. Well, here's the thing, you guys. Maybe the state attorney's office is saying like, you know, this is what's going on in the relationship. This is how it was. And they're trying to show that she was the aggressor. Um, but I mean, you know, they're trying to argue, Amari, that this is a case of self-defense and they're going to be able to prove that at trial. Uh, so I don't well, know. <laughs> first of all, the Abbasini, uh, the victim here, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he black. So he already he already it's already uphill battle. The prosecutor, the prosecutor already knows it's an uphill battle. You know what I'm saying? The victim is black. So maybe the prosecutor is planting some seeds over here. You know what I'm saying? In in the general public. But, you know, I remember this case and I remember that it was two big things about this case. One was that, uh, you know, she stabbed this guy and then was out at like, I don't know, Red Robin the other day, uh, mm -hmm. a few days after, you know, like table dancing and taking shots. And the other thing is, is that a lot of black folks stayed away from this case, especially black women, because Obaselli had some not so flattering things to say about black women and why he didn't date black women. Obaselli being from Nigeria and to the point that his family in Nigeria had to release a statement like, yo, man, this guy might not have always said the wisest things, but black America, we need your help. We need justice. Very true. And, and those not so nice things are still on that record um, on Twitter. You guys go back and erase your Twitters, especially if you start getting Instagram famous. Um, but maybe that is why the state's attorney's office made the decision to release the tapes, because it is such an uphill battle. Right. Because even in his death, um, you know, folks are kind of like, yeah, he's not the poster child to someone that we want to back. Um, well, the facts on this case do matter, right? And so when we're talking about criminal charges, she was charged with second degree murder. Um, and to your point, Omari, you know, she wasn't charged until months later. And not only that, you know, she was seen in bars, she was seen in restaurants. And so now she was picked up in beautiful Hawaii at a treatment center uh, for PTSD, honey. And, you know, they, they put her in jail and they picked her up and everybody's all surprised, but she's facing secondary degree murder charges. And in the state of Florida, that carries up to 30 years in prison with a minimum of 16 and a half years in prison. So if convicted, she'll do a minimum of at least 16 years. So we'll see what a judge is going to do there. I mean, her defense is, is that it's self-defense and that, um, you know, her boyfriend was the aggressor in this case. The video shows otherwise. However, um, you know, she's saying that she threw this knife at him from 10 feet away and it struck an artery when the autopsy report is coming back to say, actually, this is a pressure wound. So I don't know how that's going to hold up in court. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, justice is the least moving fact. You know, they found a 50 year old search warrant. For uh, for that woman who who made them claims against Emmett Till in Mississippi, uh, yes. and we, I mean, so you know what I'm saying, 50 years, three months, you know what I'm saying, maybe things are moving a bit a, a bit quicker there, but um, you know, I think that 
she she was able to really play, of course, to the media sympathies early on, and then of course the backlash that Obaselli got from from a lot of the black community uh, definitely didn't help this case. But I mean, it's good to see the prosecutors look like they just stayed to the facts here, you know, and and cut all. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, right? We we deal with a lot of death here, unfortunately. You know, what I'm saying at Converge and you know being community news, we're losing a lot of community members. I've never heard of someone. I mean, even when you hear that someone that like you know died, you ain't you ain't you know what I'm saying out like you know in a celebratory mode or no matter what have you, you could get a, a promotion mm-hmm. the same day. You'd be like, dog, I don't even feel like celebrating. Let alone that you actually literally did kill somebody and you out there in the mix. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, it, it, I mean, why wouldn't she think that she was entitled enough, though? That's the thing, though, right? We're all surprised. But, you know, I mean, it's a white woman here in America. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Of course, she felt like, yeah, that's going to happen to me. Of course, I'm going to go to like Hawaii for PTSD, like whatever. You see what I'm saying? 100%. I think you call that one exactly like it is. And to your point, I think all of that is going to play out. Um, to, uh, you know, the state, the state attorney or the prosecutors from the state, I think it's going to play into uh, the, their case. I think they're going to be able to present that to the juror and say, you know, here's what she was doing afterwards, because regardless if this was a domestic violence situation or even self-defense, as you mentioned, it kind of doesn't matter the circumstances. Someone that you loved is dead and you did kill them regardless if you had intent or not. Um, and so, you know, jumping around on tables and taking shots and even just being in the public eye, I think after that just kind of speaks to um, where her mind was at in that moment. I'll um, say this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was just say this. I know you got the next thing is that, again, imagine that the value of that life was so low that, that she had no intention or expectation for the wheels of justice to turn on it. So I'm glad that you included this story in the show and hopefully we'll keep an eye on the case. Absolutely. We will. Well, someone else is back in court, you guys, and that's Kobe Bryant's widow, Vanessa Bryant. She is in court and she's seeking damages against the LA Sheriff's office after that horrific helicopter accident that left her husband, her daughter, and multiple other families dead. Um, you know, she's in court, you guys, because of the photos. And she's saying, and, and really, it's a, it's alleging that the officers, the deputies and first responders in um, who responded to the call from the helicopter crash circulated the pictures around bars to their colleagues and to patrons at the bar and was showing Kobe Bryant's decapitated body and her daughter's corpse. So she's not taking this one lying down. You know, they wanted to settle at $2.5 million. And she said, absolutely not. It's not enough. And she really pushed it and wanted to go to trial. And I commend her for that. Um, The sheriff's office is calling this a money grab. And after, you know, they're calling it a money grab because they're saying, well, we tried to settle this. And this is what we gave the other families, you know, in this case, you know, this $2.5 million. Well, Vanessa Bryant said, no, thank you. Um, and, and I think rightfully so, you know, this is 28 officers in the, in the lawsuit that she's charging these, these, uh, these complaints again, this is a big deal in the sheriff's office. And, you know, really is kind of coming to trial and they're asking whether or not her emotional state should be put into question and whether or not, you know, 
her emotional state to this is really why she's seeking damages, right? Is it because the death of her daughter and the death of her husband that this is why she's going after them? And I would argue that, you know, Vanessa Bryan is a smart woman, okay? And she is going for blood for everybody that is responsible for the death of her husband, her, um, her daughter, and everybody else involved. Um, she also, you know, as you guys know, she sued, sued the helicopter charter and she also sued the estate of the deceased pilot. So she ain't playing, Omari. Nah, and it's, it's, it's real deal. And that's the thing is, is like people, I mean, like her husband and daughter, or it's, it's the disrespect. I think that's what I'm saying. It ain't the money. Then people's papered up. Vanessa Bryant, Vanessa Bryant papered up into like perpetuity, all these lifetime deals, royalties, all this kind of stuff. But it's the disrespect. I feel her. It's like if we marry and and you die and someone is disrespecting your legacy, it don't matter to me no more. I'm going to try to put you out of business. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's it's real deal. So, like, I'm not mad at her, you know, and uh, you know, the, the L.A. County Sheriff, when they're talking about it's a money grab, all that is is that the insurance company. So what's what's unfortunate about this is the taxpayers of Los Angeles County are going to end up footing the bill. But the insurance company came with a number. It was like, well, if it goes to trial, it's going to cost this much. Let's do this, this and that. And that's the settlement. But that settlement doesn't mean that it's fair. That's just the settlement that is going to be like, yeah, we're going to spend this much anyway if we take it to trial. So let's go ahead and settle. So her not is separate whatever they're offering that doesn't make her like at a money grab or anything it's just like yo that's not what it is and i mean i would have liked her for her if she hasn't already i would have liked for her to sue the the it was tmz or somebody who put out to the world that, that kobe bryant was dead before she, she was, was even being farmed. We deal with a lot of that even here in our neighborhood and in our community where sometimes we be knowing two, three days in advance before the public even knows that somebody has been has been killed or somebody died. And it's like, you know, you hold that information because we don't want to we don't want to be the first ones to tell somebody that they, they they family member is dead or something like that. And let alone like it's Kobe Bryant. And these guys are sitting there rushing to tell the world that Kobe is dead and Vanessa don't even know. It's such a good point. And I think it speaks to how much people want a story and how much social media and the, the need and that desire to just have some clickbait to get those views to be the first one with this kind of. Um, you know, really big story and it's messed up and we are desensitized in that way that people have lost their empathy to say, oh my God, you know, this is so tragic that this is actually a human being, that Kobe Bryant is somebody's husband, that he's somebody's father, that he's somebody's son, and that we wouldn't offer the family the respect to be able to hear it first and be able to kind of have their time with it, and that people are just trying to sell a story. Um, I appreciate Vanessa Bryant going hard in this situation because I think her point is, it's, I think obviously it's not about the money, um, but I think her desire to want to go to trial is to really hold people accountable. Um, and so when you begin to hold people accountable, things start to change. And so if she takes this to trial and she wins, which she probably will, 
I mean, it's just a, it's not a matter of if it happened or if it didn't happen. Um, you know, it's a serious situation. And I think she's holding people accountable and she's going to change the trajectory of how this happens um, when it occurs again. Right. Because the only thing that we can plan for is death. And so she's going to be able to change um, what happens next time to another famous family or to maybe just, a, a, you know, an average family when the media gets a hold of pictures and videos and content and inf information that's sensitive. She's going to be able to say, this is not the way to go about it. And guess what? When they lose this, the L.A. Sheriff's Office is going to change that policy and people aren't going to be able to keep their their jobs in this. Yeah, no, <clears throat> for sure. And I would just tell people that it's like in in the <clears throat> excuse me, in the Internet age, people have lost that that sense of sensitivity that, you know, everybody wants to be the one to, to post and to say something. And like I said, we show a lot of restraint over here um, that a lot of times, sometimes we shit, real deal. We've witnessed the murder, mm -hmm. you know, uh, on more than one occasion or we've come across information and, you know, or we, it's gotten funky and we just turn the camera off and move the camera because we don't want somebody to see their loved one sitting there dead, you know what I'm saying, through a live stream or sitting there, you know, understanding. So, yeah, I mean, go ahead, Vanessa, get the bag. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I'm with it. I'm with it. I mean, keep that energy, sis. She's She's been keeping the energy, and I, I love it. And she, you know, do, do it for all of us. Change it and, and change this course right now. So um, big shout out to Vanessa Bryant and going to court and standing up for this. All right. Listen, you know, I hate talking about Donald Trump, but child, we would not be clapback culture if we didn't bring you the tea. Um, so as you guys know, the FBI pulled up to Mar-a-Lago, honey, and they raided Trump's house. Finally. I mean, I can't believe it. So what's the mystery? What were the FBI agents looking for you guys? And what are those consequences? Um Listen, they pulled up and what they were looking for were classified documents that uh, former President Trump has well took um, from the White House. And listen, this is a big deal. This is a serious, serious, serious thing. Um, the FBI search warrant authorized agents to seize presidential records or any possible classified materials. Now, if you're the president and you have classified materials and then you all of a sudden are not the president anymore and you just take them home with you, like, that's a big deal because who's going to get their hands on that, right? They were even allowed to get into a safe. Donald Trump mentioned that in an interview. Um, but this is a very serious issue. And, um, you know, we got to think about the mishandling of information, right? You know, Donald Trump was real big on this when he campaigned against Hillary and was saying, you know, uh, what, she took her emails, right? He was talking about the cloud and all of the leaked emails and everything like that. Well, this is classified top secret information. And you took it on, okay? And what we do know, you guys, is that when you are a president, a part of being a president when you're done is that they archive all of your information, okay? All the way down to your sticky notes. So Donald Trump taking home 15 to 20 boxes of top classified information is not a part of the assignment. It's not given. Yeah, uh, so... <clears throat> Trump's a wild one, man. <laughs> but you know what? I'm a if I can. Trump is is the topic and the issue, so I'm not totally putting him to the side, right? But if I could just put Trump right here, 
and I can say this that in 2020, when 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 people were chatting refund the community, or my fault in other cities they might have said defund the police. All these people who are the thin blue line, all these people who love the police, all these people, oh man, they were out there. You know what I'm saying? It was crazy. They, those were the ones laughing when we were getting gassed and police beating the shit out of us and everything else. But now, there's people saying defund the FBI. They said that the FBI is out of control. It's a rogue organization. There's there's somebody running for office in Florida that says state of Florida needs to cut all ties with the Department of Justice immediately. So it's just funny how these white folks sit up here and as usual, when it benefits them, you know what I'm saying? It's against us Negroes. Then it's like, oh, look at these guys. They're talking about refund the community or defund the police. But when it suits them, they don't have no issue. Defund the FBI. It's some BS, honestly. When it comes to Trump, just as a whole, you know, his collective base is just like anything that goes against him. It's like, we got to get rid of that. Um, Nah, in this case, I mean, the reason I haven't been reporting on Donald Trump, you guys, is because he's always in the news and I'm waiting for some formal charges to come out. Okay, are these criminal charges that are coming out? Did he do this? Did he do that? I mean, there's always a slew of allegations surrounding this man. I mean, to be the former president and to have the FBI pull up and raid your joint, that's given like he can't be reelected president. You know what I'm saying? Like people, the Department of Justice is not picking on Donald Trump, right? I don't know how he continues to remain unscathed. Like, how is he not in jail already? And to your point, it's a bunch of white people sitting on their throne of entitlement like, oh, Guess we don't have to do anything. I mean, if you know the right people, you can sway your way away from all of these things. So I'm not moved by this. I barely blink an eyelash over this. Okay, honey, I'm not losing no sleep. And I bet you Donald Trump is not either. Until they take that man down and walk him down, you know, to the walk of shame and lock him up, I'm really not going to feel no type of way. Well, I, I will say this, though, Julia. He might, <clears throat> excuse me, he might be losing a little bit of sleep in that when the raid first happened, everybody was like, oh, well, you know, we need, <clears throat> we need to see the warrant and, you know, release the warrant, release all this stuff. And Merrick Garland today said, I agree. Donald Trump, please agree for the courts to unseal the warrant so we can see what was in the warrant and we can see what the FBI took. And so Garland, hey, yeah, listen, he came man, out I today, mean, right? Yeah, he been sitting over there like, I don't know, in some kind of weird space. But today he showed up big. He was like, oh, word. Oh, OK. Well, look. And he <laughs> look, came word. out and was like, actually, I stamped that. So go ahead and release it. Yeah, release like, he's like, oh, oh, OK. Yeah, you guys think this, whatever. Re- release the warrant and release, release the, um, the itemized list that was taken. So now it's up to Trump. To be like, yes, I'm okay, let's release it. Or it's up to Trump to be like, no, I'm not. But just a few days ago, Trump was saying how he wanted transparency. And it's funny how a lot of Republicans who were on that Trump bandwagon a few days ago, since Merrick Garland came out, now it's crickets. Absolutely. you know, Mama Walden dropped in the comments and was and, and brings up the Presidential Records Act of 1978. And that's exactly what we what I mentioned earlier in that, you know, presidents archive their information. You guys, this is something that absolutely happens. I know I put 
together a few notes on that, but it is, um, you know, it's the law that requires presidents to preserve all historically relevant material from their time in office. Everything, you guys, from phone logs to national security briefs to emails, handwritten notes, like I said, everything. And they hand them over to the National Archives and Record Administration once they leave office. So this is against the law. So like I said, if formal charges are addressed, okay, and then he has to do the perp walk, then I'm going to, you know, then I'm going to feel some type of way. Until then, it's another oh. news cycle right now. But we'll see. I mean, I, I guess we're getting closer. I will say this, is that the issue is the FBI ain't looking for sticky notes. You know what I'm saying? Or doodles or, you know, sketches yeah. of, of Melania. What I'm saying is, is that he's sitting on a lot of things that are top secret. And there's actually a, a few classifications above top secret. And he might be sitting on documents that have nuclear secrets. That You know, he's a dead a lot of money, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, he owe, he owe these European banks a lot of bread. They're the ones that came back to the rescue. Clearly, you're not sitting here making any kind of accusations or allegations. But I'm just saying, what they're looking for isn't just like, oh, well, hey, here's a file on this or that. What they're looking for is is some documents that are of the highest level of secrecy to our government that most likely pertain to national security that just happen to be in a box in Mar-a-Lago. And can I just say, Donald mm. Trump, like, for you, you just, he needs some more street code. Like, if you're going to take some stuff, you don't take it home, bro. Like, you got to have, like, where's the trap house, bro? Like, you took it all the way to Mar-a-Lago with you? Like, and then you put it in the safe, like, of all places. Like, that's the first place they're going to look. So, say, where's the trap house? <laughs> bro, where's the trap house? I mean, he's moving oh like my God. Listen, he better go northeast. Listen, he gotta go. He needs to go. He he gotta he got he gonna learn today. He needs to go learn. You never take the paraphernalia with you to the crib, bro. That's like that's like rule number one, two, and three, bro. Like, don't get caught with the evidence, my like. It's oh my god. I All right, so if Donnie gets jammed up, we gonna have him take your course. <laughs> All right. Well, guess what? Uh, a lot of American people might be jammed up, too. Because did you hear what Joe Biden said? <clears throat> Excuse me, y'all. He is coming after y'all who did them fraudulent PPPs. Listen, it's given what he said was the watchdogs are back. And he did it with these ridiculous sunglasses on. I got a video. Let's take a look. Too much of small business relief funding, which was passed by the Congress ended up in the hands of those who either didn't need it or criminal syndicates who outright stole the money. Not only did the Trump administration let the biggest businesses with the teams of lawyers and accountants skip to the front of the line, my predecessor undermined the watchdogs who were supposed to be on the job to make sure relief went to mom and pop businesses who were supposed to get it in the first place. The American people deserve to know that their tax dollars are being spent as intended. My message to those cheats out there is this. You can't hide. We're going to find you. We're going to make you pay back what you stole and hold you accountable under the law. 
It's like a bad movie trailer. Oh man. But I mean, listen. I'll be back. <laughs> like the worst term. It, it's cringy. It's really cringy. And he's in COVID isolation during uh, that. Uh, 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 let me ask you this, Julia. On the real. <laughs> I was just, this is between me and you. Okay. How many BBLs you think I paid for with PPP? Oh, listen, listen, <laughs> endless, endless, and shout and shout out to shout out to the homegirls who did get their BBLs during this time. You know this 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 PPP money helped a lot of people, but helped you know, a lot of people, man. You know what I'm saying? People was buying crabs every day, buying. I mean, it went into the economy, though. That's that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm not, I'm definitely not for fraud or any of that kind of stuff. I don't want nobody to get it twisted. You know what I'm saying? I don't hang with the fraudster. You know, Seattle used to be home, the the national home of check fraud and everything else back in the day, credit card. It was like Seattle's where it all started from. So I'm not for all that. But I will say, is a lot of fraud money still entered the economy. I know that was one of the goals of PPP is for the internet, except for the people who went to the Dominican and Mexico for the BB, BBLs. Like, if they got that done in America, then, you know, the money stayed here. But, you know, if they went to Mexico, then it left the economy. I mean, there, there's a point to that, right? A lot of people just got super reckless when it came to the PPPs, right? They were opening businesses in the, you know, the same month that they applied for the PPP and said that they, you know, their small business was at a loss, right? So to some of those people, you know, if you got too greedy again, it was like, why did you jump in and ask for a million dollars and you opened your business like three weeks ago? That's stupid. You don't even have any tax returns to back up your joint. And then you went back and doubled back and went for round two. So the PPPs are funny, um, but not so funny because Harry Jefferson brings up a great point. They're claiming over 675,000 people misappropriated these funds and are going to be seen in a federal court soon. So this is not something um, that he's joking about, you guys. How many people? 675,000. Oh, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, we're in a country of 300 and some odd million, you know. Oh, no, but uh, you know who this is going to be. You you know you know who's getting, you know who's uh, getting uh, hemmed uh, up for these uh, PPPs. No, no. You know what? I, I would and generally like say, like agree with you, but one thing, right? So, like, right here in the state of Washington, it's a little bit different, right? I, uh, just, just bear with me. So, they passed a law a few months ago in the last session where felons c- can vote, mm-hmm. right? And so, in our black community, we're like, "Oh yeah, this is great. Felons can vote." There's way more white felons in the state of Washington than there are black. You know what I'm okay. saying? So, like, for us, we're like, "Oh man, this is great. Black folk felons can vote," but it's way more white people. You see what I'm saying? And that's who it's at. And so we sometimes be putting ourselves in this box thinking we the only one. Believe me, there was a lot of black frosters, but believe me, there was oh, a gosh. whole lot more white frosters out there. You see what I'm saying? Because 100%. all these things, one way or another, when it impacts the masses, it impacts white people in a big way. But a lot of times we don't even look at that because, you know, I mean, we be, I mean, we're in our own circle. Messed up how it is. You know what I'm saying? It's all like whatever. When you look at the number of black felons uh, that are that are leaving prison, that now can vote in the n- total number of white 
felons that are leaving prison. And what not to get too far off course here, we be like, oh yeah, black folks can vote again. But you know, the homie went to prison, he got his voting rights back. Well, also in the state of Washington, that means that neo-Nazi who went and beat the shit out of you because you're black, got he got a felony, he can vote again too. You see what I mean? So yeah. I'm just putting it in a larger perspective that yeah, 675,000 fronsters, a lot of them probably look like us, but even more of them probably look like them. It's going to be a lot of people coming down the pipeline for this. Oh, and yeah. it's going to be a lot Rainbow of coalition. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> and to your point, we might be able to count the number of BBOs on this. Okay. We Hello. won't see what I'll people spend their those. bread on. It's going to be a lot of people that spent their money on really stupid ass shit. So I can't wait to see what happened. Um, and it just, it don't, it's never worth it. You guys, it's just never worth Believe me of all people, you guys should know. It's not worth it. Just trust me, okay? Don't jump out there and be a scammer, okay? Don't don't listen to the city girls. That's not what everybody's looking for. Don't be a scammer, my dude. It's not it's not worth the time. Um, but yeah, Joe Biden he extended this piece of legislation and said that prosecutors are going to be able to have more time to file those criminal charges. So we will keep up on this story and probably bring you back some funny stories to let you know who is getting caught up. But look, you guys, uh, let's go ahead and take a quick, quick break. Not quick, quick. Excuse me. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about what's going on in the culture. Did you know that little baby donated some back to school supplies? He did his third year, you guys, and he turned it up in West Atlanta. Let's talk about it when we come back. Stay tuned. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Clapback Culture. I'm your girl, Jules Jesse. And of course, it's time to do it for the culture. So as I mentioned, you guys, Lil Baby has continued his giveaways, his give back to his hometown by hosting his annual back to school backpack giveaway. Um, or excuse me, not just backpacks, okay? Because your boy uh, pulled out all the stops for residents at the West End Mall, you guys, for his annual back to school festival where he treated 3,000 local children and their families to music, games, carnival rides, food, backpacks, school supplies, haircuts, and he even bought out the Foot Locker, you guys. Let's take a look. Right, but why not show the good? And I wanna give shout outs to our little baby for renting out the whole Western Mall in Atlanta for the back to school giveaway. You know, bought out the whole mall, everything free, food. Uh, clothes, book bags, school utensils, sneakers, free haircuts, all of the above, man. That's something that, you know, I don't think I even ever seen, man. That's really dope, man. And uh, the kids are the future, you know what I mean? That's a good uh, role model. That's a good look, you know, to inspire, you know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, man, it's all about the youth, man, you know? So um, this is definitely commendable, definitely a salute. And I'm definitely familiar with that area. I'm not going to get into that. Some of y'all already know. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, this is definitely something that's definitely dope. And, um, you know, much love to little baby on this, man. Because at the end of the day, that's having a good heart. And knowing that there's less unfortunate kids out there that don't have. Listen, y'all, we're always talking about um, rappers, specifically the Atlanta rappers who all just got picked up in that conspiracy charges. They were naming little baby to be maybe one of them. Right. That was what black Twitter was talking about. But it is just so great to see that 
folks like Lil Baby are using their fame, using their money to really give back to the community. I love this, you guys. I absolutely love this. I love to see the whole hood coming out. I mean, we don't often think about it, but imagine that you don't have those, just that extra to get your kids ready to go back to school, right? Like you don't have that extra for a backpack or the haircut or the, the school fit, you know, like to send kids back to school, especially when you have two, three, four of them, it's expensive. And then we're in a moment of inflation right now. And so this is just super hype. I love it. I love that. It's just kind of like a community fun day where the whole hood just gets to come out. They get to relax. They get to just do everything. So everything in the whole West End Mall was free, y'all. Like they got to turn up at the mall. Can you imagine how much fun that would be? That you can just walk into a store and be like, let me get a size seven. And they're going to give you your shoes that's already paid for. So I absolutely love this. Yeah, no, for sure. So first of all, <clears throat> I'll say this. Big shout out. One one hundred percent. And actually we, we have our backpack giveaway here where with Trey Simmons, Nate Robinson, World Vision, um, a few other partners, and that's gonna be on August twentieth up at Garfield High School. And y'all, it it does make a difference, right? It makes a difference when we, we send these young people back to school with a, with a little bit of confidence. So let's just say a little bit of swag. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You got a fresh, quick, crispy lineup. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you got some kicks, got a backpack that has all the things because, you know, oftentimes we, we send our kids back to school. Um, and, you know, we're limited resources and we don't have the things that the syllabus requires, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's 100 percent. And so for everybody, whether it's here in Seattle and it's Trey Simmons or Jamal Crawford or Nashley there, the baby or anything else. I got nothing but like props and salute. Right. But I want to throw this out there. It's not even a but I'm going to say it's an and because these guys like all due respect. Right. But the and on this is now who can we get to step up to activate parents to be involved in a in a in a their children's academic life more than just the backpack giveaway. Mm -hmm. See, because what happens is the parents show up and they're there and they're getting the stuff. The kids go to school. They don't go to the school. They don't go to the PTA meeting. They don't they don't check no syllabus. They don't check the homework. The only time they go to school is when maybe the child gets in trouble. You know what I'm saying? That's the next part of it, because I'll be honest with you, community, athletes, entertainers all over America, big towns, small cities, radio stations, TV stations, they do a part to get these kids ready for school but what's missing is the parents being actively involved consistently in the child's education yeah i think that speaks to the sustainability component right and so here in washington dc especially for dc public schools there's a lot of different community-based organizations there's organizations like pave right which is you know parents amplifying their voice and they really are helping you know, parents to step out there, right? Because it is difficult. And, you know, when we were coming up, oh, and, you know, uh, me and the, my friends were talking about this over the weekend. It's like, you know, we were latchkey kids, you know, our parents weren't home. You know, we used to be in second and third grade letting ourselves in, um, you know, and our parents weren't coming home until seven, eight o'clock. And so by the time they did get home, they may not have had time to do, help us with our homework or to double check that, you know, or do it maybe first thing in the morning. And so there are parents that need more support from different organizations or from mentors or, you know, things of that nature. And so 
I grew up in the recs. I was a rec kid. So shout out to Seattle Public uh, Seattle Parks Department. I would I would say this right, and so I don't think that I mean you'll you'll find that a lot of latchkey parents and even essential workers, you know what I'm saying? It's one thing. I mean, my experience was a little bit different. And my mom was working, yeah, you know, she was out there working, but damn, man, she get on the 48 bus and <laughs> be out there at the school. But what I'm saying is, it's more than that, though, Julia. We we actually have a generation of parents who follow the nightclub scene, club flyers and events more intensely than they follow their children's education. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, and, and, and that that's really the demographic that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the parents who are out there doing it. And sometimes two, three jobs. And even here in Seattle, you know, there there's all these support mechanisms for people who just can't make it during the day. They'll probably get fired. They'll lose their job. And so like a community member might go to a PTA meeting mm-hmm. or something for them. So those are there. That's not really where I'm saying the gap is that we got a gap in our community of parents who are just now refused to parent. There, there's definitely some generational things that play into that too, right? Like if you think about the mentality of some of those parents, right? It's like, that's not starting just from them. It's like, that's that's something that, that's learned behavior. You know what I'm saying? That, that absentee parent is learned behavior because their parent was absent. And so they don't have the tools. And so I think what you're asking is correct in that, how do we give them the tools? But it's really, it's, it's, it's so difficult to break that chain, like, because you also have to have somebody who's willing, right? Like you can have somebody to say, Hey, like, here's how to be a, a better parent, but they have to actually do the work to be a better parent. Being a parent is hella hard. You know what I'm saying? Like to take your, you know, to pick your kid up, drop them off, take them to their sports thing to have like a really good kid, like actively involved, like you're shuffling them around everywhere. Right. And then you got to feed them. You got to make sure they look right. They smell good. Take your bath. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's a lot. And so I get it. Um, And I think that we do have a culture, a subset of, of, of parents who don't have the tools and they're not equipped. And, you know, I'm not exactly sure how we totally combat that because we do need wraparound services for that. Right. A mom could be better engaged if she had a better, better paying job. A mom could be better engaged if she had reliable transportation. A dad could be more engaged if, you know, they had X, Y and Z. And so there's really a lot of things that play into that. Like when you're living in the hood and there's 100 shots going off in your neighborhood every night. I mean, the last thing you're kind of thinking about is like whether or not I, I help my son with their homework when I'm so caught up, you know, or I'm in a domestic violence situation or I'm drinking the pain away or I'm smoking my pain away. So there's a lot of things to consider when we think about why people aren't good parents. But I do know that there's a lot of different organizations that can tap in should those parents be willing participants? You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of makes you wonder how our grandparents or parents or grandparents managed during segregation where it was nigga, you can't go here and nigga, you can't do that. And nigga, you get a second. You know what I'm saying? You get no funding for school. It ain't even like, you know, school. I mean, all I would say is this big mama and them was gurus. They was wizards because they ain't have nearly half the shit we do now and got four times the result so i mean we got to figure it out but i know you yeah. got another subject but i just want we to do but it. before we move forward you guys you know i got my annual well i'm you guys know i work for council member Trayon white so this saturday at bald eagle recreation center if you're in All washington right. dc 
come to Bald Eagle Recreation Center. We plan to serve 1,000 scholars going back to school. We're so excited. Hello. We're going to have moon bounces, face painting, a 360 photo booth, so much food, the snow cone machine going to be out there, the popcorn, book bag giveaways, school supply oh, wow. giveaways, uniform vouchers. I mean, and we're doing it in honor of Davon McNeil and Mumu, who both tragically lost their life to gun violence. And so we're really coming to heal a community called Bellevue, um, which is totally opposite than the Bellevue in Seattle. But it is now my current neighborhood. Um, and so that community right there needs a lot of healing. And so we have over... Um, probably 25 different community-based vendors that's going to come in with services like physicals, health screenings, um, arts and crafts, mental health services, yoga for the kids. I mean, we got everything. So make sure you guys pull up Saturday, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Come early if you want to get your book bag because it's going to be available while supplies last. All right. So first off, big shout out to Bellevue <laughs> in the building. You know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, wherever you at, we at. Uh, second of all, of all the different things I heard you say, it's going to be Black Pass, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. What I heard was a 360 photo. Cuddy, is Joy going to be on a 360 photo machine? You know it. <laughs> that was the one thing that popped out. I was like, oh, man, Joy, you going to be on that 360 photo thing. You know what? If if I'm even able, right? Because one thing about these events is I'm hands-on. So I'm going to be so busy. I'll be there from sunup to sundown. I've been planning this thing with my team for the last like couple months, you guys. So you guys know how I, how I am. I'm totally hands-on. I'm going to be picking up boxes, talking to vendors, talking to parents, talking to students. Like I'm going to be in the mix. So if I get a chance to jump on the 360 photo, um, I'm going to make sure to do that. And it's a black vendor, you guys. So that was another thing, too, is like we really try to source to all of our black entrepreneurs. Our moon bounces are from black entrepreneurs and community. Right. Like these are people who are actually doing work and serving in Washington, D.C. and in Ward 8. So that's a big deal to me and to Council Member Trayon White. But look, y'all, look, we're running out of time. So I'm going to pick one last topic. This is a pretty easy topic that I want to talk about. Um, and then we can save everything for next week. But Amari, I really want you to tap in on this. So I don't know if you guys watch the newest episode of Drink Champs podcast, you guys. Oh, but Gotti was up there talking super reckless about Ashanti. OK, he was talking about he ain't going to give up the master's. And he's definitely not getting over that romantic relationship. So I do have a few questions. Um, did you did you get a chance to see the interview? Oh, before, you we know, I so, so the thing is, is Basa, Basa has actually been talking about this. Right. Okay. So I saw the interview and I saw Fat Joe's response to the interview and and really some of the backlash on it and everything else. It's a hot mess. So I, I decided not to bring you guys a video because. It was really just too vulgar, to be honest with you. Um, but on the Drink Champs podcast, you guys, you're just basically on your you're drinking, you're smoking, you're having this kind of roundtable conversation with Nori. And Herb Gotti, you know, he he's the founder and CEO of, of um, oh, Murder Murray. Inc. Thank you, Murder Inc. Okay, Murder Inc., you guys, you guys remember that. And he put on Ashanti. She was the princess back in the day. We, you know, She's still a princess, but he opened up and talked about them having a romantic relationship when she was 21 years old. Um, 
And he's still so super salty about it. On top of that, you know, he talks about, you know, how that heartbreak when they broke up, you know, they got caught up into a federal case. And then Ashanti came out and was like, listen, I just can't do this anymore and walked away from the organization and didn't want to be a part of it. Again, she was 21 years old. So now here we are 20 years later and you got your ex on drink. A drink chance talking about you, like really going hard. So do you think you should bring up any information on an ex after all of these years, two decades? And should you still hold on to this kind of relationship beef after for so long? All right. So <clears throat> first of all, man, Irv Gotti ain't shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like on the real, I mean, yeah, like I, I bring up exes from 20 years ago, but it's always in a positive capacity and how they might have impacted my life. I learned something new or different and everything else. You see what I'm saying? And so it's like, yeah. Um, but, you know, also Irv Gotti probably one just made regular like whatever people just feel slimy and want to take a shower. But also think of how he impacted young women trying to go into the music industry and everything else. He very made it very clear that like basically Ashanti wouldn't be where she's at in her career if she hadn't slept with him. You know, Irv, who was married at the time with his kids and everything else. And imagine the audacity, right? Because most people, including me, didn't know mm -hmm. at the time, it was 20 years ago, that, that Irv and Ashanti had something, I guess you would say, romantic going on. Irv Gotti married his wife, beautiful, beautiful kids and everything else. She didn't even know that. So now not only is he exposed to, I guess, his ex-wife now at, at the time, but like what kind of shame do you bring on your kids, your own kids? It's like, damn, dog, your dad ain't shit. Like what he was doing, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody yeah. would say that. I mean, it's like, but it's selfishness, and you see that, you know, fame. When you're chasing fame, fame can be fleeting. I know Irv Gotti has a documentary coming out and everything else, but I mean, to me, it was the ultimate slime. I have two beautiful daughters, right? I would hate for them to ever run into a Irv Gotti. You know what I mean? There's nothing about him that exudes character, integrity, or anything else. And honestly, he doesn't even stand on the foundation of that, right? Like he he's honestly just like a grimy kind of, he's like one of those super grimy ass New Yorkers, right? Like he's super unfiltered, he's raw, he's threatening. He's, you know, really just like the ultimate kind of like snarmy, snaky type of dude. And the interview itself, like I said, I couldn't bring it to you guys because it's overall disgusting. And then you got Ja Rule sitting next to him, who's kind of like just trying to have him keep Yeah, ja, ja played a sucker role on that, though. And, and, and ja, because they be touring together. He masters. He they owns your masters. And I know how Ja can be conflicted, right? Because Ja sat there, right? He sat there with Irv. That was the biggest federal case ever against a rap, uh, against a music label. It was against Murder Inc. And, you know, uh, um, uh, Ja and, and Irv, Seven Azarel, everybody, the whole organization, they beat the feds. The mm -hmm. feds win like 90 plus percent of all cases, right? So right. I know how Ja can be like, I'm here with Irv. But Ja still been out with, I, I saw Ja Rule and Ashanti in Lagos, Nigeria, dog. They they travel all over the world. He ain't They're even big time homies. That's, I mean, Ashanti is the little sister to all of them. You know what I'm saying? Like she was so young coming up underneath them for Irv Gotti to say that, you know, Ashanti would be nothing without him. She had two record deals in, in the pocket before she made the decision to come over there. So I think it's 
very tacky that he used her and her fame um, and really leaked their former romantic relationship to build up the conversation around the documentary, right? Because would we have really been watching Irv Gotti on Dream Champs if he didn't have such a salacious conversation with Nori? I don't think so. I mean, he was so wild and reckless. I'm just thinking like, how is BET stamping the documentary? So I absolutely want to watch it now because it's so much tea. Um, but I just hate that it supports somebody so slimy. But listen, y'all, I love some gossip and some tea. I can't even play around with you. I'm not going to fake. I'm going to be sitting right there watching it, honey, sipping my tea and eating my popcorn and coming back and reporting to y'all on what happened. OK, so um, shout out to Ashanti for just keeping it real cute. She did pull up to Nelly's concert the other day and did a quick little walkthrough um on stage you guys it was real cute and it was more like giving Irv Gotti the finger so shout out to her one time for the one time all right you guys well it's the 11 o'clock hour and unfortunately that's all the time I got but listen when I'm not here on clapback culture you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at treasure of j-u-l-e-s you know what it is um Omari where can they find you when you're not here on clapback culture all day every day at Omari Saul, O-M-A-R-I-S-A-L, and also follow Converge Media at W-W-C-O-N-V-E-R-G, W-W-C Converge. All right, y'all. Well, you know what time it is. It's time to go, but we will be back next week. Same time, same place. Until then, have a great weekend and pull up in our DMs and let us know what you want to talk about next week. Until then, peace. produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.